Chapter Thirty Two of the Silent House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Herndon Bell. The Silent House by Fergus Hume. Chapter Thirty Two. The Confession Continued. In Geneva Square, Pimlico, I found the house I wanted. It was number 13, and was said to be haunted, as cries had been heard in it at night, and lights had been seen flitting from window to window when no one was in the house. I looked at it without entering, or calling on the landlord, and then I went into Jersey Street to see the back. The house in the same section with it was kept by a Mrs. Ben Susan, who took in lodgers. Her rooms were vacant, and as it suited me very well that I should be a neighbor to clear, I took the rooms. They proved, as I shall explain, better for our purpose than I was aware of. When I told Ferrucci of my discovery, he gave clear money and made him hire the house and furnish two rooms for himself. I supplied the money. In this way clear, calling himself Berwin, which was the name of Vrain's house in the country, came to live in Pimlico. We also removed the real Vrain to Mrs. Clear's at Bayswater, and he passed as her husband. So weak were his brains, and so cowed was his spirit, that there was no difficulty in keeping him in the house, and the neighbors were told merely that Clear was ill. For my part, I took up my abode in Jersey Street under the name of Rent, and met Clear outside on occasions when it was necessary for me to see him, but I never entered the house for obvious reasons. I was constantly afraid lest Clear, in his drunken fits, for he was always more or less drunk, should reveal our secret. And I took as my bedroom an apartment in Mrs. Bensusan's, out of the window of which I could overlook the back of number 13. One night, when I was watching, I saw a dark figure glide into Mrs. Bensusan's yard and climb over the fence, only to disappear. I was terribly alarmed, and wondering what was wrong, I put on my clothes and hurried downstairs into the yard. Also I climbed over the fence into the yard of number 13. Here I could not see where the figure had disappeared to, as the doors and windows at the back of the house were all locked. I could not conjecture who the woman was, for it was a woman I saw, who had entered, or why she had done so, or in what way she had gained admission. While I was thus thinking I saw the woman again. She apparently rose out of the earth, and after closing what appeared to be a trap-door, she made for the fence. I stopped her before she got there, and found to my surprise that she was a red-headed servant of Mrs. Bensusan's, a kind of gypsy, very clever, and, I think, with much evil in her. She was alarmed at being discovered, and begged me not to tell on her. For my own sake I promised not to do so but made her explain how she got into the house and why she entered it. Then she told me an extraordinary tale. For some years, she said, she had been with Mrs. Bensusan, who had taken her from the gypsies to civilize her. And hating the restraint of civilized life, she had been in the habit of roaming about at night. Knowing that the house at the back was unoccupied, this Rhoda, for that is her name, climbed over the fence and tried to get into it, but found the doors and windows bolted and barred. 
then one night she saw a kind of grated window amid the grass and as this proved not to be bolted she pulled it open taking a candle with her she went on a voyage of discovery and dropped through this hole some distance into a disused cellar only a cat could have got in safely for the height was considerable and indeed rhoda did not risk that mode of entrance again for finding a ladder in the cellar which i presume had been used to get at the higher bins of wine she placed this against the aperture and thus was able to ascend and descend without difficulty frequently by this means she entered the empty house and went from room to room with her candle singing gypsy songs as she wandered so here i had found the ghost of number thirteen although i don't suppose this impish gypsy girl knew as much she haunted the house just to amuse herself when fat mrs bensusan thought she was safe in bed i asked rhoda why she had entered the house on that particular night when i had caught her she confessed that she had seen some articles of silver in clear's rooms which she wished to steal but on this occasion he had locked the door a thing which he did not always do in his drunken humours and so rhoda was returning disappointed after this confession i made her go back to her own house and promised to keep her secret i also told her that if she held her tongue i would give her a present for this purpose i made ferrucci buy me a cloak lined with rabbit skins as rhoda on her night excursions wanted something to keep her warm when ferrucci gave it to me and it was lying in my room mrs clear came one night to see me and finding it cold she borrowed the cloak to wrap around her she kept it for some time and brought it back on christmas eve when i gave it next day to rhoda it was ferrucci who bought the cloak not i and it was purchased for rhoda not for mrs clear the next night i entered number thirteen by the cellar way and found it of great advantage as i could visit clear without exciting suspicion and so keep an eye on him at first he was alarmed by my unexpected appearance but when i showed him the secret way he made use of it also we used it only on dark nights and it was for this reason that we were not noticed by the neighbors it would never have done for any of us to be seen climbing over the fence mrs clear once visited her husband and had a quarrel with him about his drinking it was her shadow and clear's which denzil saw on the blind as soon as they heard his ring they both went out the back way and in climbing hurriedly over the fence mrs clear tore her veil it was a portion of this which denzil found on that night clear after leaving his wife entered the square by the front and so met with denzil much to the latter's surprise i was very angry when clear showed denzil over the house but he said that the young man was very suspicious and he only showed him the house to prove that there was no one in it and that he must have been mistaken about the shadows on the blind notwithstanding this explanation i did not approve of clear's act nor indeed of his acquaintance with denzil for some months matters went on this way clear remained in the silent house drinking himself to death mrs clear looked after vrain in her bayswater house and i in my old man disguise remained in jersey street although at times i left there and went to see my daughter all this time lydia had no idea of what we were preparing then i began to grow wearied of the position 
for clear proved tougher than we anticipated and showed no signs of dying in despair i thought i would give him the means to kill himself mind i did not wish to murder him myself but the man when in his drinking fits thought he was attacked by enemies and when in a melancholic frame of mind on recovery would frequently hint at suicide i therefore thought that if a weapon were left within his reach he might kill himself i don't defend my conduct in this case but surely this drunken scoundrel was better dead than alive in choosing a weapon i wished to select one that would implicate ferrucci rather than myself in case there was any trouble over the matter so i chose for my purpose a stiletto which hung by a party-coloured ribbon on the walls of the library at berwin manor i fancied that the stiletto having been bought in florence and ferrucci coming from florence he if any one should any of these facts come to life would be credited with giving it to clear i took the stiletto from berwin manor some time before christmas and bringing it up to town i left it on the day before christmas on the table in clear's sitting-room that was at nine o'clock in the night and that was when i last saw him alive who killed him i know no more than any one else on christmas eve i was ill and wrote to lydia to come up she met me at the pagals but as i felt ill i left there at six o'clock and lydia stayed with the family all night at seven o'clock mrs clear came to me with ferrucci and brought back the cloak which i gave afterwards to rhoda she wanted to see her husband again but i refused to let her risk the visit ferrucci came to tell me that he was arranging to place vrain who was becoming too violent to be restrained in the private asylum of dr jorce at hampstead mrs clear was to go with him and we conversed about the matter ferrucci went away first as he desired to see clear and for that purpose waited about until it was darker and went into the back yard shortly after eight o'clock there he was seen by rhoda as he was about to climb the fence and not knowing it was the girl he took fright and ran out of the yard into jersey street here he found mrs clear who had left me and was waiting for him and the pair went off to see dr jorce at hampstead i believe they remained there all night left alone i climbed over the fence about nine o'clock and saw clear he was celebrating christmas eve by drinking heavily and i was unable to bring him to reason i therefore left the stiletto which i had brought with me on the table and returned to my house in jersey street i never saw him alive again i went to bed and slept all night so i was aware of nothing in connection with the death until late on christmas day then mrs bensusan was told by miss greeb the landlady of denzil that the tenant of number thirteen had been murdered i fancied that he had killed himself in a fit of melancholia with the stiletto i had left on his table but i did not dare to go near the house to find this out afterwards i learned that the doctor who examined the body was of the opinion that clear had been murdered and being afraid about the police taking up the case i paid mrs bensusan a week's rent and left her house two days after christmas i returned to berwin manor and shortly afterwards ferrucci joined me there as he had successfully incarcerated vrain in the asylum under the name of michael clear when the advertisement came out 
It was I who hinted to Lydia that the dead man, seeing that he called himself Berwin, might be her husband. We went up to town. Lydia identified the body of Clear as her husband, in all innocence. For after death the man looked more like Vrain than ever, and in due time the assurance money was obtained. I did not think there is anything more to tell, save that I did not know that Mrs. Clear had betrayed me. I could not pay her the money, as I could not get it from Lydia. I told Lydia I was going to Paris, but in reality I was hunting for Rhoda, who had run away from Jersey Street. I fancied she might betray us, and wished to make things safe with her. Before I found her, however, I saw in the papers that Ferrucci had committed suicide. Also that Lydia, who had gone to Dover to meet me, thinking I was returning from Paris, had been arrested. Then I saw Mrs. Clear's advertisement, saying she would betray me if I did not pay the money. I consented to meet her in order to implore her silence, and so fell into the clutches of the law. I may state that I did not kill Clear, as I never saw him after nine o'clock, and then he was alive. In spite of what the doctor said, I am still inclined to think he killed himself. Now I have made a clean breast of it. I am willing to be punished. But I hope Lydia will be set free, for whosoever is guilty, she is innocent. I have been an unlucky man, and I remain one at this moment when I sign myself for the last time. Jabez Klein. Needless to say, both Link and Denzil were greatly surprised at this confession, which revealed all things, save the one they wished to know. What do you think of this idea of suicide? asked Lucian. It is quite out of the question, replied the detective decidedly. The doctor who examined the body said that it was impossible the man could have committed suicide. The position of the wound shows that. Also the power of the stroke. No man could drive a stiletto so dexterously and strongly into the heart. Also the room was in confusion, which points to a struggle, and the stiletto is missing. It was not suicide, but murder, and I believe either Klein or Ferrucci killed the man. But Ferrucci was not—he was not there after ten, interrupted Link, but he was there about eight. I dare say when Rhoda saw him he was coming back after having committed the deed, and Klein says the stiletto was not there at the time, just to screen him. It is of little use to screen the dead, said Lucian. I think only one person can tell the truth about this murder, and that is Rhoda. I am looking for her, Mr. Denzil. This was easy saying, but harder doing, for weeks passed away, and in spite of all the efforts of the police, Rhoda could not be found. Then one morning the detective, much excited, burst into Lucian's rooms, waving a paper over his head. A confession, he cried. Another confession. Of whom? asked Lucian, surprised. Of Rhoda, replied Link excitedly. She has confessed. It was Rhoda who killed Michael Clear. End of chapter 32